Find out what the whole world is thinking in The Agenda. This week on The Agenda, pressing the accelerator button as China throws open its diplomatic doors, we examine how the rest of the world stands to benefit. At the recent two sessions gathering in Beijing, Foreign Minister Qin Gang announced that China had pressed the acceleration button and sounded the clarion call for diplomacy. And Europe certainly seems to have answered that call, with Spain's Prime Minister Pedro Sánchez, EU Commission President Ursula von der Leyen and France's Emmanuel Macron all visiting Beijing in the last few weeks. But just what do those visits really say about relations between Europe and China? With me now is Justin Vase, founder and director general of the Paris Peace Forum, who was with President Macron on his recent trip to China. Justin, thanks ever so much for, for coming on the agenda. What was it like being on that trip? Thank you for having me. So I was invited to be part of the delegation, uh, as were a number of uh, uh, personalities, including CEOs, that was widely uh, reported, but also um, representatives from the National Assembly, artists, uh, uh, intellectuals or uh, academics or, or, or others, uh, in order to sort of reopen China, if you'd like. That is to say, after three years of uh, no ties, no personal encounters, not only between leaders, but also people to people, uh, it was important that leaders such as uh, Chancellor Scholz or Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez or President Macron and Ursula von der Leyen would meet Xi Jinping in person and that uh, civil society ties would uh, resume. So what was Macron trying to achieve for France and along with EU Commission President Ursula von der Leyen for Europe? So two or three things. One was to resume ties. As I mentioned, I think it's, it's really important that these leaders actually talk, actually meet one another and, and talk. And Macron was able to see Xi Jinping for a bit more than three hours on Thursday and again three plus hours uh, on Friday in Guangzhou. And so that was important. Also have a trilateral with von der Leyen. So that was the first uh, objective. The second objective, I think, was to uh, uh, insist with uh, Xi on the uh, large issues of this world. And that starts with Ukraine uh, for the Europeans and to uh, uh, have a real discussion on, on what it means, what the Chinese position uh, is, and trying to, to tilt it towards uh, 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 insisting vis-à-vis uh, -vis Putin that the war uh, stops, uh, etc. The third thing, I, from my perspective, which was not widely reported by the, by the press, but is one thing that President Macron insisted on at every juncture, whether when he was meeting Xi or when he was having uh, meetings with um, other people, or with civil society, or with students in Guangzhou, was the importance of uh, China for um, the global commons and global public goods. Uh, and there's one point that he mentioned at each time, which is the summit uh, on a new financial pact on June 22nd and 23, which will gather, which will convene in Paris all the leaders, including from IMF and World Bank, uh, that are ready to reform the international financial architecture. We have uh, a challenge before us, which is how do we finance both the development goals and climate? And for that, we need to reform the Bretton Woods institutions. And for that, China is important. And that's an 
example of how uh, China matters in many issues, debt, but also on climate, on biodiversity, etc. So I think that was the third large objective, which was to make sure that China would participate uh, responsibly in all of these things. And there have been a few good signs in the past few months, whether the treaty on the high seas or the Montreal uh, Kunming Biodiversity Protocol. I think that mattered to Macron quite a bit. So th these are, are, are big things you're talking about, big asks. And I know that following his audience with, with um, President Xi, Macron emphasised that strategy of his, that strategic autonomy for Europe, presumably led by France, to, to become almost a third superpower. It's ambitious. Is it realistic? Uh, let's put it this way. Do we have another choice? That is to say, uh, we will only suffer from an intensification of the US-China rivalry. What I mean is that if you have a, a block against block logic, and if you have a sort of bipolar order that solidifies and intensifies, it's only bad for Europe because it means that this competition will uh, increase uh, spending on military uh, issues, will restrict trade and exchanges, will take a toll on cooperation on many things that we need to cooperate on, like climate change and others. And so I think it's up to Europe to show that uh, it's not uh, equidistant uh, between China and the US by no means. And President Macron clearly stated that uh, France was, was clearly uh, in, the, uh, in the camp of democracies, etc. But that uh, we didn't need uh, uh, to uh, sort of uh, be always in a fighting position vis-à-vis uh, -vis China or to push this to extremes uh, because, once again, we need also uh, to uh, cooperate and, and offer other uh, horizons than an endless Cold War uh, between the two superpowers. So Europe must exist for its own interests and for the interests of the rest of the world. China's state media ha had held Macron's visit as an opportunity to inject new momentum and bring new vitality to China-Europe relations. Has it achieved that? To some extent, yes. Um, Macron has really tried. Re remember what happened in March 2019 when uh, Xi Jinping came to Paris uh, for the celebration of uh, the uh, 55th anniversary of the re-establishment of diplomatic ties with France in 1964. And Macron, on this occasion, insisted that not only Jean-Claude Juncker who was then president of the European Commission, but also Angela Merkel be present with him. And so it's the idea of Team Europe, right? And so it's in the same spirit that he uh, uh, suggested that Ursula von der Leyen come with him to Beijing and that they have a trilateral with, uh, with Xi Jinping. By the way, he had also offered Chancellor Scholz an opportunity to do the same, but, but Scholz uh, decided to go on his, on his own. So that's the intention, and I think it's very well thought out and it's a good thing for Europe. Now, of course, uh, it didn't go entirely as planned. They received Macron very well. Uh, they didn't receive Ursula von der Leyen uh, very well or equally because she's not a head of state and also because she had given this, uh, I think, very good speech on the 30th of March uh, on, on China, insisting on the risking and a, a number of other uh, points that she had made. And so, it was uh, a good attempt, uh, but the end result was not as uh, clear-cut and good for Europe as it was meant to be. 
Now, as you mentioned, trade featured highly on Macron's list of priorities. He took with him this large delegation with representatives from, from Airbus, from, from EDF, from Viola. Um, and deals were done on green energy um, and aircraft sectors. How might all of that change things, do you think? I think it was it was important to, to restate that Europe doesn't have a policy of decoupling from China. Uh, Europe doesn't think, and that was in von der Leyen's uh, speech as well, doesn't think that we need to cut ties with China and that we need to create a bloc on our own that doesn't trade with China and that uh, sort of considers relations only with one part of the world. Uh, it would be irrealistic and it would do damage not only to the economy but also uh, most probably to uh, in the political uh, realm. Uh, trade doesn't prevent war, but trade still helps maintain people-to-people -people contacts and interests, etc. Rather, what Macron and uh, von der Leyen said was that we needed to de-risk, not decouple. De-risking meaning not to depend on China, like, for example, at 97% for rare earth minerals that are crucial to European industries. That's not good. We should de-risk that and not make ourselves vulnerable to China on this. But for the rest, having uh, trade and investment with China, as long as this is done with our eyes wide open and with those of reciprocity, is still good. And so Macron or Schultz or Sanchez taking with them uh, uh, CEOs uh, is, is normal and, and I think contributes to uh, the overall, uh, uh, I would say, dampening of tensions uh, with, with China uh, and also to the progress of the economies on both sides. Justin Vase, thank you very much. Thank you for your invitation. So that's the view from France, but what about Spain? To mark 50 years of diplomatic relations, its Prime Minister, Pedro Sanchez, has also met recently with President Xi in Beijing. With me now to consider that visit is Spain's former ambassador to China, Eugenio Bregolat. Thanks ever so much, um, sir, for, for coming on the programme. Now, a lot of Europeans are going to China. What's the message? In the last uh, few uh, days, we have had the visit to China of the President of France and the President of the European Community and uh, the Commission of the, of the Community. And uh, uh, the previous week, it was the Spanish Prime Minister who visited uh, China uh, in order to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the establishment of diplomatic relations. And uh, all the European leaders, along with the German Chancellor who was in China last November, all of them have been uh, very clear. Uh, we want and we need a good economic, uh, technological relation with China uh, we do not want to hear anything about decoupling. In fact, Germany, Germany has, as you know, a very large economic relationship with China. In fact, 46% uh, of the whole uh, European community export to China comes from Germany. Almost half of all the European exports to China come from Germany. Now, Germany gets more than 1 million direct employments 
from its exports to China. So it is obvious that Germany, and so said uh, Chancellor Scholz, Germany cannot hear anything about decoupling. Nobody wants any economic decoupling simply because uh, uh, we depend on foreign trade. Uh, Do you think that China-Spain relations are at a critical juncture? I think that relations are good. They have been good all along. And, uh, uh, well, the visit of our Prime Minister, Mr. Sanchez, to China just a couple of weeks ago was very, very uh, positive, successful. Uh, And mind, Europe wants to have good relations with China, not only economically, but politically. And everybody, our, uh, the Spanish uh, Prime Minister, the French President, uh, the German Chancellor, everybody has insisted on the same, the strategic autonomy of Europe. Uh, Macron has been uh, extremely clear about that. We do not want to be subservient to any other power. We want to take our own decisions, our own decisions. Europe uh, is striving to be a really autonomous, sovereign power. And this is the key. So let's talk uh, about Spain and what Spain was really hoping to get out of of the visit to to China. Spain's taking over the rotating presidency of the European Council. But some might say that it's not in the first division of global actors. Um, It's not decisive regarding strategic issues relating to China or to, to Russia. It isn't part of the G7. And it's only invited as a guest to G20 meetings. So how would you describe Spain's ties with China? Of course, Spain is a member of the European Union. And we, European Union members, are very clear about the fact that one by one, we are relatively small countries, even the largest countries of the European Union when compared with uh, China or the United States, we are relatively small. We only can be a meaningful actor in international relations. We only can be a big power if we are united. Trade and investment was a a key feature of of, um, Sanchez's trip to China. And in fact, China's Li Chang said he wants Beijing to expand trade and investment with Spain. Do you think that China sees Spain as a facilitator in getting what it needs from the European Union? We are uh, 100% in favour of a good, uh, strong relationship between uh, Europe and China. I think this is very, very, very clear. In this, we coincide completely with the position of France. Mr. Macron has been extremely explicit in the last few days when he was in China and in the interviews he gave immediately after his visit. (coughs) Europe vindicates again its strategic autonomy. This is 
fundamental. And of course, this strategic autonomy of Europe has its uh, touchstone in, in the policy towards uh, China. Uh, we consider that relations with China have to be positive, have to be good. We uh, cannot in any way uh, try to uh, uh, be in a negative position towards China. Mind, wherever you look at this, at this uh, world, uh, international cooperation is essential, be it to avoid a nuclear war, be it uh, to combat uh, climate change, uh, be it for the fight against pandemics, for the recover recovery of the international economy, or be it in the field of uh, art artificial intelligence weapons, to try to avoid this world in which autonomous machines talking among them can decide on military decisions. All this has to be regulated. So, yeah. whatever you look at, you need international cooperation. Eugenio Bregolat, thank you very much. My pleasure. Of course, the opening up and diplomatic acceleration of China reaches far beyond Europe. This weekend, Mohsin Jazuli, Morocco's delegate to the head of government in charge of investment, convergence and evaluation of public policies, is heading to Beijing. And he joins me now from Rabat. Thanks ever so much for, for coming on the agenda. So look, you're part of this delegation. You're, you're heading to Beijing. What are you hoping to get out of this trip? We are going on a roadshow to China this weekend to share Morocco's momentum with, with everyone. Indeed, uh, during the, the past two decades, and the, thanks to the leadership of His Majesty the King Mohammed VI, Morocco has developed a modern and highly diversified uh, economy. Uh, we have uh, built world-class infrastructures. Uh, we have more than 50 free trade agreements uh, that uh, connect us to a more the 2 billion consumers market, including the United States and the European Union. Uh, we have young, extremely talented and perfectly trained human capital. Uh, it's grounded to say that uh, they have been instrumental in developing key industries such as automotive or uh, aeronautics. Uh, both uh, appear as uh, beacons of hope for the whole continent because they embody Africa's capacity to uh, grapple with the sophisticated uh, value chains. Uh, all in all, uh, Morocco has managed to gather outstanding assets uh, in order to stand as a major hub for investments uh, in, uh, in the region. So now is uh, the right time to invest in Morocco. Morocco's momentum time has come and we are going to China to let uh, everyone be part of it. So Morocco is open for business. Let's talk about opportunities for, for Morocco in China, because at the recent term, two sessions, China says it's going to be pushing its acceleration button, certainly in terms of diplomacy. Earlier this year, of course, it announced it was widening its doors, opening up um, for business post-pandemic. So what opportunities does that offer for Moroccan businesses in China? 
actually, uh, I believe this uh, could offer several opportunities for both uh, China uh, and Morocco. Uh, China's move to strengthen economic ties with foreign countries uh, uh, presents a great opportunity for Morocco. Uh, China's Belt and uh, Road Initiative uh, and uh, Morocco's uh, strategic location between Europe and Africa uh, makes uh, a perfect match. Uh, China's increasing openness to trade and, uh, and its growing middle class presents an op a huge opportunity for Morocco to expand its uh, exports to, to, to China. Uh, Morocco already exports uh, significant amounts of products such as phosphate, uh, textile and food to China. And uh, this trend is likely to continue as uh, China's demand for high quality goods and services uh, uh, grows. Finally, uh, China's focus on cultural exchange and people-to-people -people diplomacy uh, presents uh, an opportunity for uh, increased uh, tourism and educational exchange uh, between uh, China and, uh, and Morocco. As a, as a matter of fact, Morocco is the only country in the region to have three Confucius Institutes. This, of course, can help to strengthen the ties between the two countries and promote a, a deeper understanding of uh, each other, of each other's uh, cultures uh, and traditions. South-South cooperation for win-win solution in a nutshell. You, you mentioned Belt and Road, um, so, and I'd like to talk a little bit more about that um, and the projects that, 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 that China has invested in in, in Morocco, because it's the Belt and Road's 10th anniversary um, later this year, which is you know, quite unbelievable to think, isn't it? Um, how has that Chinese investment in Morocco played out so far, and how hopeful are you for, for more BRI investment um, and, and, and hopeful about that relationship, how it's going to develop? Well, uh, Morocco and the China relationship is uh, excellent. Uh, this uh, goes in line with the vision of uh, the two heads of state, uh, His Majesty the King Mohammed VI and His Excellency President uh, Xi Jinping. Uh, His Majesty's uh, 2016 visit to China paved the way to the signing of a joint declaration on establishment uh, of a strat strategic uh, partnership. And uh, since then, the two countries have uh, entered a, a new era of their diplomatic uh, relationship. Uh, so our bilateral trade has skyrocketed. It has grown by nearly 50% to reach $6 billion. Investments uh, have also reached uh, uh, a, an all-time high a, a few years ago. Uh, let me remind you that Morocco was the first country in the Maghreb and the, among the first in Africa to join the, the Belt and the Road Initiative. This has raised the Moroccan-Chinese strategic partnership to a, a higher level. So this uh, initiative uh, led to new opportunities. Nowadays, more than 80 projects are currently being carried out. Uh, one of the most uh, prominent projects is uh, Mohammed VI Tangetek City, the, the flagship project of the Chinese-Moroccan economic partnership, uh, uh, strategic partnership. We are, we are talking about uh, a new smart city uh, with the biggest industrial zone in Morocco. Uh, it's co-developed by Moroccan and Chinese joint venture, and it's uh, already operational, and Chinese industrial operators are already settling their uh, factories uh, there. Uh, so uh, our relationship is strong. For us, China remains as one of our top priority markets 
for foreign direct investments. And again, this is only the beginning. The business outlook is very prom promising, thanks to our high-performing industries, the energy sector, aeronautics, automotive, and more broadly, the, the field of mobility, both electric and thermic, of course, are adapting to new challenges and offering new uh, opportunities. I can see here uh, more specifically that electrical, electrical uh, mobility could be a strong business case of cooperation between our two countries. In, indeed, uh, China's leadership in this industry coupled with Moroccan raw materials and highly qualified labor is a perfect match. As I said, Morocco is ready and we require further investments for foreign countries that are poised to share their know-how. And we hope and we are sure that China will be <clears throat> one, of, one of them. Nochshin Jazuli, absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. But for now, from me, Juliet Mann, and from all of the Agenda team here in London, goodbye.